Well, welcome everyone. You're listening to A Night at the Roundtable, coming to you live from bbsradio.com station two. My name is Caroline Oceana Ryan, and I'm your host for this evening. And I'm here with my really wonderful co-hosts, energy healer and bioenergetics expert, Vinayak, and energy healer, Randy Miller, and of course, our faction three white knights, Rama Arjuna and Tara Green. So our guest this evening will be author and astrologer John R. Fife. We look forward to speaking with him. We will be speaking with him in the first hour because he's on the east coast of Canada. So it's rather late for him. So we'll hear the updates, the energy updates, and the Galactic Good News update in the second hour. Uh, and I apologize, I probably didn't give my co-host fair warning of that. But this is a completely interactive show, so please do call in if you've got a comment or a question for any of our co-hosts or for our guest. Um, just want to make sure that uh, our guest is on the line, and I think he will be quite soon. But please do call in. The numbers to call for Station 2 are 888 429 5471. Again, that's 888 429 5471. Or you can call 323 744 4841. That's 323 744 4841. Fantastic. We love to hear from you. And um, so we're going to start off, of course, with a meditation. A short meditation from our friend Vinayak, and so we look forward to that. So, Vinayak, I'll pass the talking stick over to you. Thank you very much, Caroline. And good evening, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever time zone you're in, it's always perfect because we're always in the now moment. So, let's see. Tonight... I'm going to invite you to take some deep breaths again. Allow yourselves to get comfortable wherever you are at this very moment in time. Again, allow yourself to take some more deep breaths. And tonight I'm going to invite you all to envision Imagine that you're sitting on top of a pyramid. And underneath that pyramid that's sitting on the ground, underneath and into the ground is an inverted pyramid. And the tip, the top of that pyramid is perfectly in alignment and touching the crystalline grid of the earth. And as you see that, feel that, experience that, notice how grounded you feel. And this representation of the pyramid and the inverted pyramid is that of a carbon atom. And what we're doing is we're transmuting carbon 
being the alchemists that we are into crystalline energy. So now I'd like to invite you to breathe in and bring up into your bodies, into your feet, your ankles and legs, your calves and your thighs into the root chakra. Just breathe that energy in and as it travels up your body, just feel the carbon base, which is how you started, is now becoming beautiful crystalline light. And feel that energy moving up through your body, feeling completely grounded, and bring that energy now up into your chakras, beginning with the base chakra, the root. Bring that into the sacral center. You might see orange here. Into the creative center, you might see yellow. Bring it into your heart. You might see green here. Bring it up into your throat. You might see blue. Up into your third eye, that brow center. And here you might see indigo. And now up into your crown where you can and might see violet. And just feel that energy moving up through your body as you move your energy field out from the top of your head and let it rise up into the galaxies above the sky, the cosmos, however you refer to it, see how high you can go. And when you've reached that perfect height, allow this energy to now come into your body again from the top down. As high as you were able to go, bring that energy in, and this you might see as golden, shimmering light, or whatever color most pleases you in this moment, and see it falling down upon you like a gentle rain, a shower, however you visualize and see that. Let it be as wide as you can possibly imagine, as it encompasses all of you and as far out and as wide as you choose to go, allowing this beautiful energy 
And let's just call this love. And drink it in, feel it, experience it, fill yourself up like an empty vessel, an empty cup. And this love is flowing into you. And now it's overflowing and it's overflowing everywhere. As far out and as deep as you can imagine. And feel, sense, smell, taste, touch that love energy that you are. That love energy that all that is. Everything is. Where we are all connected, we are all one energy. And allow yourself to dance with glee and joy in this very moment as you continue to breathe and tune into the oneness as I now give you the law of one. We are all one. When one is helped, all are helped. Therefore, in the name of who I am, and I am one with all there is. I ask that only that which is for the highest good of all happen now and always. We give thanks. It is done, so mote it be. As I pass the talking stick, I bless you, I acknowledge you for being here, and I greet you with namaste and pass the talking stick to our beautiful co-host, Caroline Oceana Ryan. Thank you. That is beautiful. Thank you so much, Vinayak. That was just wonderful. And I, we always appreciate your being willing to do the meditation because it's a special gift to be able to offer that in beautifully vibrant ways that really lift us out of the stress of the moment and restore us in uh, higher ways. So we really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank so, you. All right. of course, we've got our guest on the line now. Uh, our guest is John R. Fife. He is a Vedic astrologer who studied the systems approach in India and later studied Krishna Krishnamurti stellar astrology. John was born in Montreal, Canada, and later spent much time in India from the mid-80s throughout the 90s. He then went on to live in Ireland from 2005 to 2012, and then after that was in Colorado from 2013 to 2019, where he wrote and continued his astrology practice. So he's really traveled. John is also a psalmist, a palmist, sorry, palmist and has written an introduction to palmistry book. He works in the healing arts as well. In 2015, John published a novel titled The Meaning of Fife about a period in his life during the mid-70s 
when he worked at a psychiatric hospital. It was a precursor to what he was to see in real life. John is also the author of two children's books, Molly's Missing and Averbury Magic. He has recently released a controversial book titled The World Full of Lies. And you can join John's Facebook group, his astrology group. It's just John R. Fife Astrology, and it's spelled F as in Frank, Y, F as in Frank, E, John R. Fife Astrology. So, John, really glad to have you back. And, um, you know, welcome. We've got a few questions for you. The world is in, is, is in an interesting place, let's just say. Well, it certainly is, and thank you for having me on, and it's good to be back. And um, what can we say? Um, I guess we have some catching up to do, but, you know, um, I'm sure you've had a lot of other guests and have discussed um, much of the going on um, in this last year. Well, what was really intriguing, the last time you were on late last year, you pointed out that the first few months of this year would be a bit tumultuous. And they absolutely were. Straight off the bat, January 6th, we had an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol in Washington. This was definitely disruptive, chaotic, and unfortunately turned violent as well. And then the time after that has also been kind of crazy because of the whole virus and, um, you know, the jab situations. Um, It's just it brings up so many questions about, you know, If we could look at it in the bigger, the larger picture at the minute, I know that when I spoke to you a couple of years ago, you were talking about how 2021 and then 2022 and 23 were all going to be sort of of a piece to a degree in terms of what was building. What do you see in terms of what's happening this year? And if you can link it to next year as well, if you still see it that way, what do you see happening energetically? Um, Because what people want to do, I think, is draw something positive out of this sense of everything's changing at once, everything's up in arms. And I'm just wondering if you see it as a positive progression towards simply toward a new structure, a new way of living on this planet and not total disaster. Yes, I agree. And these are that's that's a million dollar question, isn't it? Um, I think that we are um, going to be faced with two um, realities, and um, basically um, the transit of Pluto and Saturn, which came upon us at the end of um, two nineteen into January, February, and, and this year, um, is well known. Pluto's uh, conjunction with Saturn is always been seen as um, great challenges that come across, come, come to us in our world. And we always can go back to, to various periods. And I've probably said this before, but 1914 was that transit, and that was the beginning of World War One. And that transit moved away in 215, but the aftermath effect is that we're going with. The aftermath effect of that war continued. And uh, also there was uh, a pandemic in 218. It was the uh, uh, the uh, the flu that took uh, many lives then, and um, you know the thing is, I think with Pluto and Saturn's transit, it's not necessarily about um, say viruses or things like that. It's about change, 
and it's about shocking change. And they they are conflict uh, conflicting energies because Saturn is the planet that is known to be for restriction and rules and regulations and structure and um, and obtuseness. And Pluto, on the other hand, is uh, an energy that will revolt against that. It will uh, be revolutionary, if you will. And so now that we are in uh, that transit of Pluto and Saturn, have they've moved away from each other, and though there's going to be some uh, a retrograde of Saturn, that's when planets go off their, their uh, say, circular orbit, they go off course, and they end up retrograding. A planet, of course, doesn't go uh, reverse, but in astrology, we notice that they lose degrees. So Saturn will come back closer, closer to Pluto in the fall. And so we're going to expect some form of, um, of um, difficulties at, at, that pay, at, at that time, once again. Is there a light at the at the end of the tunnel? Well, of course there is. Again, it's going to be about um, you know, uh, an awakening that can be a profound awakening, and we just can't awaken without great changes that have to be made. So, I'll take a breath here, but you can ask another question if you wish. But we're leading or headed into a major transit for the U.S. of A. Right? The USA chart uh, in front of me. And I see one of the biggest transits of them all coming in February 2022. Well, what when you say a major transit for the U.S., how do you know that um, it particularly pertains to the U.S.? Have we, because of our particular astrological readout, our chart is yep. a country? Yes, yes. From 1776, your birth chart, the USA birth chart. And uh, at that time, and what we see is um, um, now coming in February, it's going to be the transit of a Pluto return. Now, Pluto return, it says, you know, I was just looking, scrolling through some information so I could even read that a bit. It says the United States of America has a very profound planetary return coming in 2022. It's return of Pluto, the lord of the underworld, and the god of death and rebirth. People do not get Pluto returns unless they live for 250 years or more, but countries do. As Pluto is one of the furthest bodies we know of out at the far reaches of our solar system, he symbolizes all that lies outside of consciousness and that which is in the shadow. A Pluto return in the chart of a country is an amazing opportunity for rebirth. But first comes the death of all that is old, toxic, patriarchal, and the old paradigm. It is a time of reckoning of all that lies in the shadow. And so, basically, that's what is coming. And it can be uh, an exciting time, but I mean, Pluto is, again, the energy of uh, the planet's energy is known as the atomic bomb, and it's the phoenix rising from the ashes. So. Um, again, if you take back the energy of 1776, in order for the USA to be formed, there was quite a battle that took place amongst the uh, patriots, amongst the rebels, amongst the uh, um, the people that were caught in the middle. And um, it was a great battle that had to be, um, um, be fought and then to be won. 
So now here we are, seemingly in the same place. And to add to that, we have, you know, um, the pandemic of a virus that has gone on and on and on. Well, it's it's remarkable because I hadn't thought of it that way. I don't know if you had mentioned it when you were on before about how countries also have birth charts. It's it's stunning because I see people becoming aware of this without really even being, as they say, the type to be into astrology. And they're commenting on it and how energies have shifted. Uh, but I had forgotten about Pluto being Lord of the Underworld. And I love what you say, actually, that, it, you know, it is an amazing chance for rebirth. But first comes um, the release of all that is old and toxic and, and patriarchal, and the old paradigm. And as you were, you know, reading that comment, it's a time of reckoning for all that lies in the shadow. Now, to you, does that mean, does that signify the old power crowd being called into account and accountability for their for their actions? Or Yes, I do. It's my great hope as well. And every, many other yeah. people, if not most people, all people should. But that's Pluto is the Pluto Saturn uh, transit by and large is Pluto will uncover um, lies and deceitful um, uh, agendas. It will expose it, and you know it's a, it's um, a rude awakening for many people to as they you know peel off the layers of the onion. They keep finding more um, horrific stories, if you will, amongst people who they looked up to, leaders, uh, uh, movie stars musicians, a whole bit. And yet, you know, as what it says, uh, what I was reading, it said the old paradigm has to be let go. So the old paradigm with Pluto-Saturn transit, the old paradigm has collapsed. It has collapsed, and a new paradigm is upon us, but not everybody. People want to get back to normal. But with the old paradigm having collapsed, there's not going to be the same old normal. And it's going to make people uh, want to change and not accept what the new normal is uh, being painted out to be. And and so it's part of this this transit that absolutely of the um, Pluto conjunct Saturn, which the aftermath effect can take many years, many years for transformation to take place, a rebuild, if you will, a reset. A proper reset. So, well, this is a this is a battle at the top for sure. It's a battle that is, uh, you know, that took place in 1776, if you will. And um, and so, by and large, since we're looking at it, it's the USA chart, the Saturn Pluto conjunction is for everybody here listening is worldwide. That's a, a global um, transit that everyone is experiencing, and so. Also, in their personal chart, that can lead them to um, various the, um, situations that have come up with them uh, differently from one another. Whether it could be a job situation, uh, a relationship situation, um, looking at their own life situation, and you know, I think it all leads to the same. I, I liked in the meditation um, that was um, being done when I was here listening. 
bring you know, into a vibration that we are all connected. We are all the one, and that's what you know we have lost uh, touch with. And in this last year, even more so, it's, it's separated more people, divided more people than ever before. Well, it really has. It has brought this bizarre separation, and yet it's also pointed up the separations that have been there for a long time that have gotten papered over in the past, which can't be papered over anymore, including the old racism, which has risen to the top, and it's being sort of defensively um, propounded by people who feel that, well, we're standing for the real America or we're standing for decency and common sense. And these over here, these people just want trouble. And I I was listening to a Republican politician today uh, on on the news and he was being interviewed and he referred to the Black Lives Matter movement and their demonstrations of last summer as riots. And he said, of course, I didn't like the riots. He was being a bit conciliatory. He, he's actually not a completely you know, extreme right winger. And he was defensive of this one woman, Liz Cheney, who um, didn't wasn't protecting um, being protective of the idea that the Trump uh, actually did win the election sort of thing. And she was saying, no, it didn't. And she, so she was ousted from Republican leadership as a result. And um this man was standing behind her a bit, you know, and, and supporting her uh, in, in her in her comments and her stance. And yet he's he's obviously only slightly aware because he, he's thinking of Black Lives Matters as groups of people who create riots. And of course, here the the media jumped on any unrest and sort of promoted the idea that all of these demonstrations turn violent and they're all full of young kids who go crazy. And all that does is perpetuate the stereotype of activists, people who vote Democrat, non-white, being loving violence and hating nice, normal, decent, uh, civilized life. It's this old, old story We've run over and over in this country since the early 1600s. It never seems to get done. It never seems to finish itself. It just gets retread. But now I feel like with the energies that you're describing, I feel like maybe we have a chance of breaking out of that particular matrix. And I'm wondering if you want to think about that term matrix for a while. Do you feel like these energies you're describing are exactly the kind that's needed to break up the mental programming that people have been subjected to for so long um, about separatism and racism and and just not thinking for themselves, just going along, being the sheeple, as they call it. Yeah, I agree. Totally. It's, you know, the matrix, it's the program, you know, and and so the program has been running, like you said, since, well, we could say, for a very long time, but since like 1600, as you said, but the program is so easy to divide people, you know, by causing that friction. And it's, um, you know, it's based on a, really, it's not based on any truths. That's what we're beginning to find out. That's why they're going to, I think, uh, not win. When we say they, people say, well, who are they? You know, it's, you know, we could say they are the Illuminati or the dark state, I mean, deep state. If, you know, what the powers that are behind the, the curtains, we never get to see. 
but the same program keeps being run out throughout this world. And um, I think that is not going to wash anymore, even though it looks like it's still carrying on. So that's my belief system and so many other people's belief system uh, you know, that have been um, speaking quite annoyingly about what the agenda is, uh, is and what it has been. You know, and we've been reading material like this for years and years and years, and then when you see it actually being exposed, it's uh, it's well, it's, it's still shocking. It was it David Ike I was reading or hearing an, um, a talk from David Ike, and he months and months ago, back in May, and he was saying that um, since he spent thirty years of his life writing on such you know uh, details and. Um, and conspiratorial uh, facts, but he was saying it's the first time that they have walked into the room. They're usually behind the door, behind the curtains, pulling the strings, the puppet masters. And he said they walked in the room and the door behind them is closed. They've exposed themselves. There's no going back. And so and this is the first time. So basically what we're doing, what we're seeing is, I guess it's all guns are, are, are what do we say, are blazing. All guns are blazing, and that's why we're seeing more asinine rules and regulations, restrictions, um, in order for their program to continue in the way they want it. And so, I believe with the astro, astro, astrological sequences, if we go back over time, we see another. Uh, say, another year that uh, Pluto and Saturn conjoined was in 1947 and 48. That was the end of World War II. That was when India uh, separated, Pakistan got formed, the cost of a million lives, that separation. But also, at 47, 48 and onward, was the beginning of a new world order. And uh, so this is, that's the Pluto and the Saturn uh, situation uh, upon us once again. And if you want to take even another sidebar, it was during the early 80s that Pluto and um, can't exactly maybe 81, 82, um, Pluto and Saturn conjoined, and uh, that was when there was um, a crash, a stock market crash. It's when uh, the, um, I think the, um, what was it, the interest rates went up to 20%. And so it was a serious time. So it was a shakeup. It was a global shakeup. Started in America, of course, but it had a, um, a domino effect, and um, it wiped out a lot of people's stocks and, um, and inflation uh, went crazy. So it's all about change. And um, and this is when probably the I would think in our lifetime, the biggest change uh, that we're going to see, people could say, well, you know, uh, they experience what it was like living in a war-torn country or during the World War II and and France to take over the other country and uh, by the Germans and Nazis and um, so forth. But this is a global war. We haven't seen, and you could say World War was, but... uh, this this is I've never seen in like in one year how possible in six months that a whole world could be shut down like this. Yeah, it sort of it's an indication. It sort of presages 
like you say, a tremendous shakeup, a tremendous awakening and a tremendous shift, which I feel is going to end in, in a, a positive turn um, mm-hmm. and that the system will come in. Are you seeing economic um, situations in, in these in your charts as well? Um, specifically? Well, that's a very interesting question because we thought during uh, 220 that um, that would take place. We, many, if not most, astrologers uh, had predicted a, you know, a crash in stock market and, um, and inflation uh, prices of houses would crash and it didn't happen. So it's almost like we're seeing that is something being saved here is there another team behind the scenes preventing that? Because you would think normally that when you shut down the working force of a, of a nation, and I'm talking about up in Canada as well, in the UK, you would think eventually over that year you would have a crisis in a major way, economic crisis. You're not really seeing that area. Yeah, if it's very. We've seen the opposite. Prices of houses right. have skyrocketed. Right. People are buying up a storm. Yeah, it's very it's 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 very strange, and I don't think that the old rules are going to apply anymore with all of these economic forecast um, pundits. No. I don't think their comments are really going to apply anymore. I I've just no. I we're going to have that new paradigm. Yes, yes, I agree. I totally agree, and that's the, the hope we want to give to everybody. That you know, it sounds like doom and gloom, and on this level, it, it is. In this past year, it is. But that's you know, um, in order for the breakthrough to happen, we have to have the breakdown. And the hope is that, that we do have the breakthrough. And the hope is that enough people, you know, jump on board and get ready to embrace it. Yes, I agree. We're going to have to walk right into this and not flinch. And that's the interesting part, isn't it? Um, And believe that the breakdown isn't happening for ongoing disaster or chaos or confusion, but for the sake of a whole new system, a fair and equitable system being built up in its place. Absolutely. That's that's what I'm choosing. And that's what I hope what what most people are going to choose. I just want to open it up to my co-hosts. If any of you have a question for John, if you want to jump in with a comment or question. And, of course, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Again, the numbers to call for Station 2 are 888-429-5471 or 323-744-4841. We're speaking with author and astrologer John R. Fife, and uh, we're very thankful for his, his input and his insights because this is really fascinating. Um, but Tara and Rama... Or, or Vinayak, if you've got any questions, I am. Uh, Caroline. Yes, Vinayak. Uh, I have a question for John. I'm wondering, maybe you addressed this and I missed it. John, uh, what is your outlook for the lunar eclipse that's happening towards the end of this month in May? Well, that's a good question. I have that on my um, topic to talk, the full moon eclipse, yeah. Well, um, total lunar eclipse, actually, May 26, 2021. And we have eclipses twice a year. And um, in a certain circle of my friends, Vedic astrologers, we feel that where the eclipse is visible, it has more of a, an effect on that, uh, that country, the people in that country. Uh, 
But the full moon eclipse also brings up, it's always followed, the moon eclipse is followed by the solar eclipse two weeks later. It's a reset of some sort of what has occurred in the last six months when the eclipses last took place. I believe um, December 15th, around that time, we had two eclipses. Uh, and so we always look at, in a personal way, too, you could say, well, what have I processed in the last six months? What came up, say, in December and January for me? Was there any issues? You know, For instance, if there was a relationship issue, and I've seen that with people, and something flared up, and uh, then they, during the aftermath, they decide to stay together and they'll work things out. But they didn't really do anything, and it gets swept under the carpet. Then the eclipse comes back six months later and end up breaking up. So. The eclipse can, and it doesn't have to be like that for sure with people, but it can be a storyline and energy that took place for you, and that has been ongoing as well. So it could be a closure to that or a reopening of that. That's one aspect I see with eclipses. Um, it's, it's a special time because of what we've experienced. So if we take the personal out and we say, in our world and our nations, what has gone on in the last six months? We're all looking for um, that door to open. You know, so is it going to open more? Are we going to get things more uh, uh, cleared up and to, you know and get on, say, with some form of normalcy? Well, what has taken place since December has been a lot more harshness and restrictions, and so this is going to be something that is going to be either ongoing for another six months to the next eclipses take place, or it will start to um, work itself out. My take is that it may take another six months. Mm. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate it. You're welcome. My hope is that's not the truth. <laughs> that's not the way. Um, I believe that things may um, modify in, in the summer, and um, I believe that they will, they, right? we hate, I hate saying that they, I believe that it will be brought about another wave of virus in, in September, October. Whether that pans out or doesn't, it's going to be, um, we won't know that until after the summer. But, you know, the astrology, that's what we look at in the astrology. What does the astrology say? Because we all have different opinions. People have been well-read you know, opinions of what's going to take place and what the government is intending to do or not intending to do. But what does the charts say, you know? And, you know, the charts do indicate that um, from this month, well, the 26th, let's say, the 26th of, of May, the eclipse, solar eclipse comes on June the 10th. And then we have a very mixed-up um, time because the planet Mercury retrogrades during this time, and pardon the pun, and so does Saturn. And when Saturn retrogrades, that re retards things. Saturn is a planet, a slow-moving planet. It's regulations, it's structure, it's you know uh, all the things that um, uh, restrictions. And when it retrogrades, it can actually increase that. So that's why I said the uh, the eclipses could take, it could run into the six months from now because Saturn retrogrades for about five months. And when that happens, and then Jupiter 
is going to retrograde a few weeks later. So when the outer planets, Jupiter and Saturn, go into a retrograde motion, and again, the retrograde for, for your audience is when planets go off their circular orbit. They do that from time to time. And Mercury planet is probably known to do this every three months. And Mercury is a planet of, of, um, of communications. Mercury is electrical. Mercury is our nervous system. Stands for our nervous system. So when it goes off orbit and goes retrograde, as we call it, things get pretty wacky. You know, your communications, uh, they get get wacky. You know, electricity, computers break down, delays. uh, You're losing things, dropping things. So it starts to work on your nervous system. Then Mercury, three weeks later, moves into a forward motion. You know, why does it do these such things, or why does it carry on or cause such things? Well, it need not. If you were, say, living in the countryside by a lake, when the mercury uh, activity increases like that, it goes into a wobble. You will not experience it too much. Maybe your internet is going to not function so well, but you're not dealing with traffic and uh, traffic jams and so forth. Um, and so you're kind of ahead of the game. And so do the planets rule us? No, we're meant to be a step ahead of that vibration. The planets on a higher vibration don't affect us in that way. People ask me often, why is it the planets are so negative? Why do they always hit us? And, you know, the answer is that it's because we're not moving forward. Humans, by and large, don't easily take the change. <laughs> you know, they're afraid to make the shift. They're afraid to make the move. They may delay then, procrastinate. And a transit comes and um, gives you a swift kick in the rear end, and maybe even more so. And then you do move. And... Uh, so you could actually have already taken move to point B when the transit hits you at point A. So you're going to have less of an effect. So long story short, what we're seeing with these eclipses coming in, we're seeing planet Saturn go in retrograde, Mercury go retrograde um, in June, both in June, and then Jupiter not far behind. So Mercury, again, causes that, say, fast, busy, uh, erratic energy, but it's only for three weeks to a month, and it clears up. But Jupiter and Saturn will carry on in July and August and September and October. And then, when they go direct, will be around the time when the next eclipse happens. So to me, if you know, eclipse happens, planets go in their erratic orbit. Then, six months later, an eclipse happens, and they go forward. This will be a much more movement than marching forward. And so leading to that 2022 time um, where there's going to be a large opening, if you will, and we're looking, as Caroline was saying, um, for that you know, very positive opening. And it's not going to be a snap of the fingers, obviously, but we want to see indications that we're getting there. And that would be just enough for many of us to uh, take a deep breath and um, and say it's happening. 
Wonderful. Do you feel, you know, from what you've been saying, John, you feel like it's as much a matter of the masses awakening as it is um, the cover being knocked off, the lid being knocked off and and the goings on of the old power structure being revealed, that the two are happening simultaneously. It's not just one or the other. And that they they both of these phenomena sort of egg each other on a bit. Yes. They do, and we're there's so many restrictions going on up here in Canada. It's unbelievable. It's it's asinine. It's insane. I'm in Montreal, and there's a curfew here. I mean, curfew on since January. You can't go out at night after eight o'clock. Craziness. And, um, yeah, and now it's changed to nine thirty. You know, so be good boys and girls, and you can stay out a little later. Um, you know, watch out. The virus is going to get you if it's uh, not a, if you're out after 9:30. But you can walk your dog after 9:30. You can be outside with your dog, and and so it's almost laughable if, if it wasn't so hard on people what they've been experiencing for all these months. But what you say, Caroline, is is true. Maybe it's so in your face. It's going to be that that awakens people. Well, you had a beautiful, huge demonstration, street demonstration in Montreal with I don't know how many thousands of people. It was yeah, amazing. It was 100,000. Oh, my gosh. And I mean, really, the Canadians are not known for their rabble-rouser tendencies. <laughs> no, you know, you no. think of you as being these really lovely, easygoing, polite folk who are quiet-spoken. And there you all are, out some in a celebratory mood, some in a rather fierce mood. But it was just uh, beautiful to see the, the videos coming that, uh, across that people were, such as our friend of the show, Penny, who's in Alberta. She was sending me things. Uh, plenty of Canadian people were sending me things and uh, to look at it, videos. And it was just, it was just beautiful. Uh, I was thrilled because I felt you were standing up for the whole human race. Well, it's true. And Montrealers have always been known to um, uh, take action more so than other provinces in Canada. Yeah. So it was, um, and you know, it's a good showing. And I have to say, um, Toronto, they've been braving. And when we look like the beatdown, they go out every weekend, and numbers may be small, and then they have a large rally that's together, but they've been going out for six months. And, um, and so we don't get to see that on mainstream news, or you get to see that, you know, the rabble-rousers, if they show anything. But when you do see it, and there's many people now uh, podcasting and streaming it, it gives you hope that it's, you know, it's not like these rallies are um, um, violent or anything. They're not. They're actually just saying we're standing for um, uh, our freedoms and human rights. And, that, and so that's, that's really the essence of what it's all about. People call them anti-maskers. or No, it's not really that. It's not that at all. So um, so there's the Plutonian energy. You know, the Pluto, I said, is a revolutionary energy. It's not going to accept the, um, the, the restrictions that are being imposed. And, um, you know, it's resistance. It's kind of, just, you know, what do they call in France, World War II, the, the, the resistance, the resistance, freedom fighters in the States, the patriots. So that's the Pluto. And I don't think the Pluto's shown up uh, as of yet. It's, you know, 
the best is yet to come. And of course, other people would say, well, you know, it sounds like a lot of destruction is going to happen. Well, you've already seen it in the U.S. You had fires burning in the cities and all that. You've, you've had the, you know, that. So perhaps um, that late shift that can, will come in 2022, it's, you know, the storm maybe is already up on you, and um, there's going to be more and more people um, coming out and embracing each other rather than fighting with each other. Most of the people that are at these rallies are not into fighting at all. No. No, it looked very peaceful. And likewise, our Black Lives Matter demonstrations, the vast majority have been peaceful. It's just the media played up any looting, any uh, violence that they were able to see um, anywhere. They played that up purely for uh, entertainment value and to snag more viewers and for the drama of those images. But really, by and large, our BLM demonstrations have also been peaceful ones. And I I don't feel like the old tricks are going to work much longer and that the people uh-huh. who used to fall for those old tricks, um, their energies aren't as forward moving and and as strong, as present, you might say, as influential as those who are choosing to awaken. And maybe as well, I don't know, maybe some of them are, are leaving the planet. Certainly many awakened people have left because of this virus. So I don't mean to point a finger and say, if you're, if you're leaving, then it's because you refuse to wake up. I would just say um, it, it, people are being put in a position now that I've never seen. I've been on the planet for a while now, and I've never seen, um, even in the 60s, the kind of shifts that are being required of us that don't really allow for any more for people to say, oh, well, you know, um, that's those people over there. I'm ignoring it. Nobody can ignore what is happening in the world right now on a global level, that not just the pandemic and the push for, for everybody to get the jab, um, but all the, as you say, the psychology, the bizarre psychology that goes with it and the psychological tricks such as you have to yeah. be in your house by p.m. or, or half past nine or whatever. Um, it's, yeah. it's just... Well, it's all leading to the job. That's what it's all yeah. headed Exactly. To. And when I have friends, and they shocked me, but everyone, they're free. But I said they're free to do what they want to do, but they said, why aren't you going for that? And I said, well, why would I when there's a what 98.8% survival rate. I mean, I said, it's, you know, I, I don't understand why that would be mandatory, you know, and um, and that's why, you know, and um, it seems to be that um, over time, um, people have listened to the news too much. I mean, it's a passing joke we have amongst friends of mine is that if you want the virus to go away, turn off your TV. Interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. Yeah, I mean, this job is still in its experimental stages, but people don't seem to understand what that means. And uh, I think it takes an extreme level of naivety to just sort of look the other way and trust what you see on on the evening news. And, you know, absolutely right to get away from um, the inflation of our uh, fear and and, um, survival instinct by the media. Just step away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we haven't got too much time left, John, but 
Um, I don't know, Ram and Tara, if you had any question or comment, certainly do jump in. I don't mean to totally monopolize. Or Randy, I know Randy's had a bit of a, uh, a rough throat, um, so he's not saying much at the minute. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's just wonderful to get this input from you because um, I, th I think you'd have to be more than a little head in the sand to miss that huge changes are happening. And I think, did you say earlier that people are sort of hoping that we'll return to a semblance of, of normalcy, such as what we saw in in the past, but that that old life is gone now energetically. It's It can't come back. Do you feel that things have shifted in terms of planetary alignments and the energy on the planet? Do you feel that things have shifted to the point where we can only go forward? We can't go back at this point. Yes, I think that you're right, and that's what I firmly believe. And the, the paradigm has collapsed, the old paradigm, and we don't all necessarily understand what that means. What is the new paradigm? You know, what is the shift into a, a higher consciousness? Well, it just comes from heart, really, doesn't it? It's not that complicated. Getting into your heart and and, and connecting with your fellow. Uh, human being, your fellow uh, neighbor, and we're losing track of that. And you know, um, the the old paradigm has to collapse because behind it was, uh, underneath it was this much, much that was um, not very light. And um, so, you know, it's what is it? Um, there was an old song in the late seventies. I think it was "Waking Up" is hard to do. They should have sung it and said, "Waking Up" is hard to do. We, we we like yeah. the normal, but a new normal can be wonderful too. It can be, and where there's a fairness and equality and better schooling for our children, and um, and true hospitalization, where you know cures of cancer, a cure for cancer, which has been developed for years and years and years. Royal Life was one that had you know, a cure for old diseases. Well, how that could be covered up is madness. And, uh, you know, people could say, what on earth is he talking about? They, they could do research and, um, and to find out what the life machine was and what it did. And, um, you know, so that's what we want. We want, I think every child that's born would resonate in a, in a vibration that is more peaceful and has, you know, it's being taught more awareness. So I remember a friend of mine who's um, a great psychic, and she went into elementary school with her friend, and they, they, they got okay to do this a couple of years ago. And it was like a, a grade oneers, kindergarten grade oneers. And they um, were just going to talk to them, uh, teach them, or talk to them about awareness. And they brought oranges for them all. And they said, I want you to put your initial, your name on the orange. And we're going to put them all in a basket. And they covered the basket. And each and every one said, Now, we want you to go and feel the oranges and find yours. And they gave them a little technique practice. She said virtually all of them pulled their own gel. And those kids were rolling around and they're laughing. How could they do that? And they were amazed. And then they played another game. Pick your best friend's orange. And um, think of your friend now. Think of your friend and the name. And, and again, they were picking, very much a majority were picking those oranges. So it was teaching kids how, you know, much empowerment they do have in that great brain. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Tara. Oh, okay. John. Um, yes. 
Um, my name is Tara, and my beloved here is Rama. And hi, John. We've been reporting Ooh. on Faction Three White Knight reportings, which are um, a combination of galactic beings and Earth beings that have been intervening ever since we dropped Fat Man and Little Boy on Nagasaki, Hiroshima, Hiroshima Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. As, yeah, and um, we've gotten these kinds of feedbacks. So I hope everybody can mute out who's not needing to talk so we don't have too big of an echo. I can hear that, but... Um, We've been getting so much feedback because we'll say something's coming, you know, like there's a real effective change uh, to bring uh, uh, something into place. And then it wouldn't happen when everybody would want it to happen because some naughty kids in the political stratosphere uh, did something atrocious, you might say. (laughs) And in the years that you've been looking at the astrology and watching this progress report yourself. I just wonder if you've noticed over these times that we're ready for this. You might say, when you were talking about the oranges, I thought about this Christmas story and it was at an orphanage and they all got oranges for Christmas day. And I mean, they waited and did everything. They tried to be good and for an orange, for an orange. And is humanity ready? Does humanity got some respect now and some uh, pointers as to how naughty the naughty ones can get if you don't cooperate? You know, I'm just saying, are people ready to really come together in in a peaceful way and 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 be the be the change? Just a question. You know, I think they are inside. And what I've been seeing has been disturbing on the outside because of how people have, many people have just um, acquiesced is the word. And um, and yet, you know, when you see a rally of 100,000 people, then you realize, no, no, that's not true. You know, and it's not blaming anybody. Well, I can. And on the outside, it seems like you got to get it, people. you got to get it. But your question to me is answered. I think in the inside, they know it. They know something's not right. And, you know, when you know something's not right, but your program has been telling you this is the way it is, you're going to fight really hard. It's like somebody that comes out of a cult. And you've seen on movies and all that when you have to deprogram them. You're holding them down and the person's spitting at them and clawing at them and they're telling them, you know, uh, the person holding deprogramming saying this is your, your teacher was this and was doing this and that. And uh, it may take them days or weeks, and then they break through. So I think many people are that afraid that they're going to short wire. And, um, you know, because then their whole belief system is taken away. So I think that's the internal fight as well. I said external and internal, but maybe that's the conscious mind is fighting. Subconsciously, they know, and so... um, we are ready. Because energetically, we've had just about enough over the hundreds and thousands of years. <laughs> I was going to comment, comment on that. Um, 
France and Australia and the United States and Japan are doing military maneuvers in the south of Japan. And Xi Jinping, he just said, it's very annoying, inappropriate. You know, I, I'm just saying that he, he does, he's got a big grin on his face and he's just like, how ridiculous do you want to make yourself look to the world? Trying to threaten some kind of a war with China? Yeah, exactly. Fado. It may be it may be the time that um, everything that's being said on the news and uh, from the TV and mainstream media may be a day, which is I think is coming soon, that the majority of people will not be paying any attention or watching. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah. That would be good. Absolutely. We just want to give out uh, John's um, contact info. His website is therealjohnr5.com. And again, it's 5F as in Frank, Y, F as in Frank, E. So therealjohn5.com. Sorry, therealjohnr5.com. And um, do you want to give um, your email address, John? Should we give that as well? Sure. That's um, John, and then underline, and then R, and then underline, and then Fife at yahoo.com. So it is John R. Fife, but there's an underline before the R and before the Fife. And then on Facebook, you're just John R. Fife, but you've also got that John R. Fife Astrology. Is that the name of the group on Facebook? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you can just send me a friend request, and I can add you. And uh, I'll, I'll write out um, well, these days. Uh, I'll be writing out daily blogs and monthly newsletters. So the planet's what's going on. And Wonderful. just on the sidebar, I wanted to say, because we talked about the USA chart, I've been digging into some information, and you know, um, I'll just give that food for thought for people. It said, um, um, Congress adopted on, uh, let me see, moved, okay, Richard Henry Lee moved a resolution of independence, which Congress adopted on July 2nd and proclaimed on July uh, 4, 1776. And so, therefore, um, it was on July 2nd, not July 4th, that the Continental Congress passed a resolution initially declaring the independence of the colonies, um, introduced on the 6th, the 7th, 1776, by Richard Henry Lee of Virginia. So what they're saying is that the birth chart of the U.S. Uh, could be on actually July the second. So um, what was it? Um, let me see. Yeah. John Adams. Yeah. John Adams believed the nation should celebrate its independence not on July fourth but on July second, the date of Lee's resolutions. So that's interesting, and, that, uh, and so I looked at that chart as well. It doesn't alter anything about the uh, Pluto uh, and the Pluto. It's only two days apart. But it, it is interesting when you're looking at um, you know, timelines and dates and numbers because everything has, you know, there's always a symbology, a symbology of these numbers that are played upon, uh, utilized. So July 2nd or July 4th makes no difference. July 4th is a day. It's like Christmas Day. is um, could have been actually on August that Christ was born. Um, makes sense with making a Leo. Um but anyway, so just thought I'd pass that one on. And um, food for thought. 
what is it? Nothing. Yes. You can't believe anything. You can only believe what your heart tells you, what your intuition tells you. Yes. I agree. And I think we're coming out of this extreme preponderance of dominance of the left brain and the the apparent and the, the material and the extreme logic and I only trust what I see and absolutely going into the high heart and the intuition and I hope that these conjunctions, that these transits you've been discussing tonight um, will assist us in coming into all that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I just want to say to our listeners, I, I have had a session with John. It's really enlightening. If you want to know what might be coming up in your life, what might be influencing you energetically, what's influencing you right now, it's just fascinating stuff. It's It reveals a great deal. And John is highly intuitive, so he really can read a lot. Uh, I find it incredibly helpful anyway. So, um, yeah. Caroline, before you go, I was just, I see you working up there. I just, I, I wasn't too sure, but I, the first thing I heard you say is to go to therealjohnr5.com. And did you say to put a underscore after John before the R and another underscore after the R and before the F? <laughs> That's for That's right. Yeah, in my, in my email, John underscore R underscore FYFE at yahoo.com. And the real wow. John R. Five. I had, I had another name. I, my um, host went down, and while I was um, finding another host for my website, and uh, for the second time, um, the uh, my name was stolen. This time, it was by Japanese students spelling John Fife Astrology. It was something like this. So that oh was hence God. when I built the new website, became the real John R. Fife. Okay. Wow. All right. And. Um, Yes, and I work with palmistry, and we, the thing is, what we're looking at this any time of this particular year and with these eclipses coming up, what does that mean for you? You know, where is that timeline going to put you uh, that we work with in Vedic astrology? We have timelines. Are you coming into a favorable planetary period timeline? And if it's not favorable, then it's when it's leaving, you know, and... Uh, uh, usually, when people come to me for a session, there's, red, there's something ready to open. You usually can see it, and this is a profound time for us all. And um, um, so, yeah, any time that you want to reach out, and whoever's out there, everyone that's out there, give me a shout. So, John, you do Vedic astrology. Is that what you just told us? That's right. So it's it's got a different concept than Western. I use Western astrology. I use the other planets. Uh, Many Vedic astrologers will not use Pluto, Uranus, or Neptune. I certainly do. And essentially, the charts, the Vedic chart is the inner blueprint, and the Western chart is your outer, your personality, your characteristics, how the world sees you. And with the Vedic chart is what goes on inside. It makes you tick inside. And so. Looking at both, um, so it can change. Your sun sign can actually change, as mine does. I'm born September fourth, and that's in the sign of Virgo in the Western and tropical astrology. But it's actually still in Leo in the uh, Vedic system. I saw you with my teacher for a couple of months about that. And, you know, then I came to realize that um, the essence of the teachings: we're, we are both. I am both. 
And, um, yes, and, and John, I'm, uh, there's also something called Ophiuchian astrology. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yet the Vedic mm-hmm. astrology is closer to the Oph, or the Ophiuchian astrology is closer to the Vedic uh, as yes. well. Yes. So, Micah, if you need to want to do something there, you got a a good good chance. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, we've Padme online too. I just noticed. Sorry about that, Padme. Are you there? I am actually. Hi, I'm here. Hi, everyone. Uh, Tara just Hello. asked what I wanted. I called in about wanting to know about Vedic astrology. So. Uh, just how what he wanted to say about that and um uh what a lovely show and all of it and uh and then and i wanted to know the name of your newest book i missed the title of it oh my newest book is um, titled the world full of lies ah okay Mm -hmm. it's a great (laughs) title (laughs) how appropriate and you know i was writing all this material in colorado it kept coming to me in uh 215, 16, I, I have novels I'm writing, you know, and, um, um, but this is a, you know, kind of, I had, I said, I have to put all this down. You know, I have to put this down where the, the account of the Anunnaki who came onto earth in the 300, roughly 350,000 years ago. It's our history. I wrote bits of that and I just put them down as notes and, you know, pages became, uh, you know, chapters and, uh, you know, after about, around 218, I said, I have a book going here. And, you know, little did I know what was going to happen in 2020 and, um, and leading into 221. So, yeah, so the book is titled World Full of Lies. And it touches a lot Great. of um, um, areas. Uh, I bet I'm going to get a copy for myself. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. Yeah, I have, I have for everyone to published in England, so you you could get it off of my website. You contact okay. me and we'll take care of the mailing. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Thanks. I will um, pop off and namaste, blessings, and love to all of you. Love and light. Thank you, Padme. Wonderful. It's been great having you here, John. We'll let you go. It's quite late where you are. I'm sorry I referred to the East Coast of Canada. Probably everyone in Canada screamed because you don't necessarily have an East Coast, do you? <laughs> I'm used to saying well, East Coast. Well, East Coast, Newfoundland, but we're East Coast. I'm parallel here in Montreal to New York. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, we're not on the coast yet, right here, not yet. <laughs> but it's been a pleasure coming on. I feel... Uh, a kinship with everybody and feel like we're all um, uh, very familiar. I feel at home uh, talking with you, uh, you guys, you gals, and everyone listening. I hope, uh, um, I hope you felt the same way. Oh, it's been terrific to have you, John. Well, obviously, we'll have to have you back again because um, all of this is just fascinating. So, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, huge it's been my pleasure. And thank, thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you so much, Bye, John. Bye. Appreciate you. Okay. <laughs> and thank you so much. Bye-bye for now. Thank you, John. Take care now. Okay. Wonderful. Really great to hear from John. Um, just such an intelligent, articulate fellow who really knows his business. So if you're looking for a good astrologer to do your chart and tell you what's what for this year and the next couple of years, um, John would definitely be the one to go to. So um, 
yeah, again, find them easily. John R. Fife on Facebook. Um, or you can email him. Uh, John underscore R underscore Fife at Yahoo. So, yeah, wonderful. Um, Vinayak, would you care to give us any update or insights? Uh, we'll just sort of quickly move through those, I guess. Yeah. I'll, make it, I'll make it very short. Thank you, Caroline. Hey, no worries. I just want to say hello and blaze the violet fire and whatever challenges that you're having. My own advice to myself uh, when I'm experiencing challenges is to allow myself to be fully present and in the moment and just witness what's happening. Notice my thoughts and if at all possible to get out of my thoughts and out of my mind and just focus on my breathing. And that seems to help uh, at least get through the next moment or two. And oftentimes you may hear some kind of guidance within yourself as I do, like, you know, drink more water, uh, maybe go for a walk, get out in nature, maybe just lie down, maybe rest, maybe sleep, maybe um, do something else. Listen to some music that you find uplifting. Uh, you know, guidance comes in in a number of different ways. Your angels are always there. They're always giving us messages. It basically amounts to, for myself, it amounts for me, slowing down and just noticing what's happening in this now moment. And that's really the only place that change can happen. So I remind myself of that when I'm, you know, oftentimes I have challenges maybe with breathing uh, due to previous conditions. And that certainly brings you in the moment because you have to notice your ability to take that next breath or you find yourself coughing or your throat's aching or whatever it is. It is a message from our bodies to ourselves. And are we able to receive that message and then follow that guidance? Because that guidance is always available in the present and by us becoming present, we allow ourselves to receive the message and also to change the next moment, perhaps to something that makes us feel a little bit better. So hopefully that helps. Um, you might notice my throat is a little foggy right now, so I'm gonna pass the talking stick back to our co-host and again, Thank you all for being here because this show does not exist without you. Much love. Aloha. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Vinayak. Uh, the only thing I could add to that would be more of the same. I would just say, absolutely. I've been channeling this sort of guidance the past 
couple of months that we've got to take our eyes off of the negative news reports long enough to earth ourselves, ground yourself with time in nature, that idea of just being quiet, quieting the mind, going into the thought, uh, sorry, into the breath, concentrating on your breath, releasing all thoughts. Absolutely wonderful. Um, this is a, a saving grace for me, as it is for many, many millions around the world right now. We're not going to be able to source our sense of self and our centeredness and our place of calm and selfish, not just self-assurance, but reassurance from outer information. It's not, that's the old paradigm. We're going to have to go within and learn to be quiet and connect with this universe and those aspects which are unchanging, even though they're expanding, even though divine love is always getting more powerful, more beautiful, more brilliant and full of light, it doesn't change in its relationship to us. It's always there and it's always welcoming us in. So wonderful. Thank you so much, um, Vinayak. For that, I just have to say ditto. <laughs> <laughs> to that whole thing. So, all right. Um, I think Randy's got a touch of sore throat. So, uh, Ram and Tara, would you like to give us your input and bring us up to speed with the galactic good news? We'll pass that talking stick to you. Yes, thank you, Caroline. Greetings, everyone. That was an absolutely, John was an absolutely wonderful guest. Yes. I appreciate the honing that you do, Caroline. Oh, he is terrific. Absolutely terrific, yeah. Thank you for your comments, you know, your questions, because um, every every perspective is helpful, I think. Yes. Well, I was really glad to hear from him as an Ayurvedic astrologer, because that says that the inner... Um, the inner uh, being of humanity is ready. That's what he said. He said that's about the inner. And so that's what we want to hear, you know, I think so. And I just wanted to say happy birthday to Joan Baez because today is her 80th birthday. So she was born in... Is she 80? 80. Oh, <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, that's just dating a whole bunch of possibles here. Oh, my. <laughs> 80 years old. Well, I mean, it's not up. We got all kinds of friends here that have turned 80 already. Yeah. They're as long as uh, spring chickens anyway. What the heck? Just a number. <laughs> just a number. Absolutely. I just wanted to reiterate that... Uh, Cryon said some weeks ago that the human body was designed to live for hundreds of years. And that has to do with consciousness, because otherwise people just think that 3D is 3D and things wear out. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the design of the Christ consciousness for all of humanity and the world. And uh, again, that's a small number. Uh, Ranamu uh, is here in the present. She's got a physical age, yet she's been 175 million years into the future. How does that work? 
and she's come back to the present to report. And all of that wisdom is with her. I mean, she has a biological set of parents, but I'm just saying that we're learning a whole lot about time and no time. Is that how we could put that? And that's the reporting stuff, too, that um, today... Rama, do you want to give that report or you want me to read it? You can read. <laughs> you can want me to read. Okay, this is Rama speaking. Rama says, I received a text message from the King of Swords at 11.30 this morning. He said to me, Lord Rama, we are on the edge of full disclosure. And as things escalate in the Middle East... It is about this timeline that is ending, as John so well put. This is about the old male patriarchy that a long, long time ago in a galaxy not so far away decided it was quite all right for them to detour off the path. Yes. And it took a whole bunch of us with them, you might say. Want to say some more about that, Rama? It was that um, the ancient stories that have to do with the Anunnaki and the fallen angels and the rise of civilization and what Greg Braden describes as climate disruption, consciousness, and conflict all coming right in this moment today. At the same time, we are experiencing the same things that happened 26,000 years ago. That's why the sun is reacting in such a way that we've never seen the things the sun is doing. And it is amazing. At the same time, for some, it's quite terrifying. And for some, it is you know, ecstasy. The sun right now in the last couple of days there's been uh, geomagnetic storms G2 and G3 that are creating uh, aurora borealis and people are feeling the ascension frequencies and um I've been going through my stuff with it, too. It's not fun. You might feel exhausted and you don't know why. Yeah, and <laughs> headaches and that kind of stuff. And sort of feeling like you're being stretched at both ends. <laughs> breathing is a really good practice. Yeah. Yogic breathing. Take your thumb and your fourth, your ring finger. And then open one. You open the ring finger up and breathe through that nostril, and start with counting to four, and then hold to the count of four, and then breathe out to the count of four, and then hold to the count of four, and keep doing that. So you, you know, you'll put your ring finger back on the other, on that nostril. You breathe, breathe in, and then you let the air come out and flow out through the one that's got your thumb holding it shut. And you just keep doing that. And if you can get to eight instead of four, I mean, you start with four. You don't want you to pass out, everybody. <laughs> but um, 
in a in a yogic practice. I mean, I, I, I was doing eight, and uh, I have to admit that I haven't done it as much as I could, but I can. And let's just yes, we can it, and then let's do that every day because pranayama breathing can uh, can uh, youthify the body faster than anything faster than you have the yoga of the breath and then smile because it works that helps and believe in the magic because that magic is here i have my fairy Gigi. she's right beside me and she said anything at your service she said <laughs> but um okay so we'll go on here it says there was quite a bit of a skirmish that happened 26,826 years ago and it was then about the changing of the yugas. There were great silent watchers who were sent by the divine company of heaven to guide humanity into the higher realms. Yet some of these ones, these great silent watchers, they chose the dark side and they decided to violate their cosmic agreement with creator source. Now comes disclosure of what happened back then and how it was and how it relates to current events, not least of which we are entering Sat Yuga, which is four times longer than the 26,000 year cycle. Sometimes they just shorten it up and say 100,000 years of peace. Can we? Just imagine all the people living in a world of love with no borders. Yeah. The return of the Mahdi is at hand, as all the prophecies have spoken of. The return of the Mahdi is the return of the cosmic Christ, Lord Maitreya. I always remember his name by saying, My Tray of Gold. That golden heartedness. That's what's coming here. Yeah. Stay tuned. More is coming. See you in the light of the most radiant one, Lord Rama. And a little note here. Remember, we are the ones we have been waiting for. And this is the reason for no dates. Yet, I believe we had a, quite a consensus here that humanity on the inner planes is totally ready for this. So a few little skirmishes here and there. I understand that Marjorie Taylor Greene picked a real fight in the hallway with AOC today. Do you know any more about that, Rama? Just that I read that she was stalking Miss AOC. And Miss AOC is, you know, looking into tighter security and they're calling for Marjorie Taylor Greene to be kicked out of Congress as of this time. Yeah, she doesn't really play by the rules, does she? No. Uh, Rama, who is calling for uh, Marjorie Greene to be kicked out? The, the Dems? Yeah, many Dems are calling for her to be kicked out of Congress because she doesn't have respect 
for other members of Congress, and she's pushing these concepts and ideas of violence, of violence that lead to hatred and the shootings that are going on that are um, it only exacerbates the situation by spewing the lies that the right is putting out that you know um, they won the election yeah okay yeah it is it, it's quite I mean it's kind of intense to watch these things unfold. I mean, as I'm watching, you know, the CDC came out today and said it's okay for people who got the jab twice. They can go out in public now and wear, not have to wear a mask in public. And I don't know where to go with any of those stories that it it is deeper than what is being said by our media on this planet, and it has to do with the higher energies coming in, I know, that can override any kind of technology that we have created in combination with the AI, because ultimately the AI was created by us. And at a certain point here, I have to kind of go along with um, the four laws of robotics in the sense where at a certain point, the AI is not going to go against humanity because it cancels itself out of existence. And right now, there are energies that are coming in that I have no way to describe them because... Um, they're only now finding out about things that have gone on for so long, yet we're only now finding out. And it's like a discovery, an adventure, and it is awesome to behold because we are discovering our immortal selves in the process. Um, I can say in the last little while, there are more and more folks coming out of the woodwork who have always been here, yet they're not from Earth, they're not native to Earth, but they are part of helping Earth ascend. And it is... The inclusiveness that I speak of, that we're all interrelated, whether we have fur or fins or horns or tails or scales. <laughs> <laughs> that rhymes, Rob. <laughs> yes. 
and I also thought of um, our professor Richard Wolf. He said, "I am, I am a, a Marxist economist without the horns." And yeah, <laughs> there is, you know, Karl Marx is a, quite an interesting character, and there's more to it. I'm past the talking stick. Well, the more to it is that Professor Wolf is a faction three white knights. Yes. And he has a grasp on the new systems that go together with the enactment of Nassara laws. He's a key person in uh, a community of people with galactic membership, too, yeah. that have designed Nassara law. And... I also just make it clear that St. Germain has not left his body since he was born in 1561 and that he's got an office in Washington, D.C. and two more offices in Virginia. And we've said this for the years and years that's been around and it's not a joke. <laughs> and Rama's had the, uh, uh, the experience of talking with um, the King of Swords sitting with Michelle and Barack and Malia and Sasha in the Oval, Oval, Oval Office. They're all sitting there. Yes. And uh, I think the King of Swords and, 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 and uh, Tom the Cat was there too. Yes. And Malia and Sasha are talking about it too. They know who the Galactics are. I'm just making something clear, and I was noticing something. I was asking Rama what's going on here, but, you know, Michelle was on CBS, what was that, three days ago? I think it was Monday. I think it was Monday, mm. Monday morning, and and she was promoting, you know. Good job. Yeah, and, and you know, do your safe distancing and just wanted to bring up that there are herbal homeopathics that qualify if you need it for taking a vaccine and they're homeopathics. If you are led that path, Grandmother Chandra, Grandmother Chandra speaks of this as well in one of her latest messages for May. Yeah. Just where did I put it? All that stuff. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Just uh, uh, well, let's just talk about the new moon a little bit. The Taurus new moon that we just uh, had. Uh, let's see, today's the thirteenth, so that was on Tuesday. And uh, it's attracting exciting opportunities for self-growth and expansion in every way. Uranus is in Taurus at 11 degrees, and both Mars and Chiron are at 11 degrees, activating a quadruple, quadruple, 11, 11, 11, 11 code since the new moon happens ha happened on May 11. So much new new beginnings. Of course, new moons represent new beginnings as well. So, and the sun and the moon are 
we're at 21 degrees Taurus and 21 is connected to the truth feeling joy and the transcendence of beauty so we are at an incredible juncture highly credible juncture here with the 21st century 2021 and this new moon at 21 degrees Taurus May 11th discover the powerful gifts of this amazing lunation and as our brother was just saying I mean these are no small planets these are the larger planets Saturn Jupiter and Pluto outer planets retrograding and I'm just going to say retrograding is not a bad word. A lot of people use a bad word. But what it's doing is it's it's inspiring deeper inspiration and contemplation for actions to move forward. In other words, you got to know the history as you're going to move forward with the history. (laughs) And so um, this has been a wonderful period of time as challenging as it's been, but there's a lot of people talking now about the real true history of this this whole formation of a country, which we haven't yet quite uh, anchored, but we are doing it now. So then this Can I just ask, um, did, did, Talk, did Rama completely finish his update, or did he have anything else to add? Rama? Oh, just that um, there are more and more discoveries coming out about how the various sacred sites and structures were put together by the ancient people before the flood who were giant people and it had to do with how we use the cosmic energies that are available right now yet it doesn't involve the present technologies that the um, patriarchy is using like the temp some of the temples and structures in Peru, Machu Picchu, and um, Juan Cayo, and um, other places in South America. The galactics had ways of heating up the rocks and forming them together and it's almost like they made the certain structures molten as they placed the rocks together this is done with sound and light and color and anti-gravity technology to create these structures that have sound frequencies that when you touch the sound, the stones, they vibrate, they sing. It's just like the crystals. Crystals sing as well. 
when you talk to them and you work with them, they create this frequency you can feel, you can taste, you can touch. And all these things are starting to come out now because this is part of who and what we are as we interact with all the earth, air, fire, water, ether. I passed the doggies did. Yeah. I just want to say when Freddie Silva was on, and I think it was last October, this is what we were talking about with him. Do you remember that? And he, he mentions this as well. He's yep. put his hand on, on these stones and these structures, and he's received uh, messages and can feel, that even people visiting uh, who don't have his expertise, they can, they can feel something, frequency, uh, frequency emitted from these stones. And these aren't just necessarily pyramids in Egypt. They are all over the world. Yeah, there's a place south of here on the way to Albuquerque. It's called Garden of the Gods. And I went there and I, like I said, played the music of Paul Horn inside the pyramid when he did that album. I played it for the stones, and the stones started vibrating, and they started to have a blue glow to them. <laughs> so I know that you know the portals can open with the right intentions and sound vibrations, and you got to know what you're doing to open the portals because it is a big deal. And right now. The Al Aska Mosque, the Dome of the Rock, Temple Mount. This is a major stargate on the planet. And, uh, and they're abusing the energies, the idea. This drama that's unfolding with Israel, there are stories about um, as the Al Aska Mosque or the Dome of the Rock were to be damaged or hit with rockets or, you know, planes shooting missiles or other kinds of stuff. I have heard many things from many Middle Eastern people. That would be a sign that is also spoken about in the ancient prophecies where something's going to give in the Middle East. And I believe as they were to even try to attempt to do something like that, to damage the Temple Mount, the Stargate would activate in of itself, and beings would come through to take care of the situation. It's another form of um, self-activation preservation of Earth Mother, because the stargates uh, are part of the structures uh, all over the planet, like the ley lines, grid lines, song lines, that interact with the sacred temples that are built on them, and even churches. All the Ancient people knew about this. This is why they placed 
their structures on ley lines to work with those energies and they used it for darkness. Now it's being changed for the light and they can't stop the light that's pouring in. This concerns them greatly because they can't continue to control us with the matrix. It's continuing to collapse. It's a big deal and this is why energetically the tensions are so high on the planet i passed the talking stick maybe we could just quickly go over yesterday's message and maybe tuesday's too yesterday uh and caroline i think you heard this but we could say it again i received a text message from the poppy lady at noon today yesterday she said to me Lord Rama, Palestine will survive. The Israelis destroyed another high-rise building in Gaia. 14-story building. That was a famous hotel. Yes. All the, and then they did another one today, too. Yes. atrocious. And um, there's something like 83 dead now, and 17 of them, minimum, are children. That's what they know. But um, I would be very happy to see all these weapons of abusive weapons be non-functional. Yes. Uh, all the world's leaders are telling Netanyahu to stop the violence. An immediate ceasefire needs to happen here and now. Place all of these situations in the circle of support. Place the violent fire. And then on Tuesday, uh, I spoke with Rosa from Palestine today. It was 12.30 in the afternoon. She said to me, Israel is bombing the heaven out of Palestine since yesterday, blaming Hamas for shooting rockets throughout. So Israel and all the way to Tel Aviv has been laid somewhat to waste in that sense. But the point that we want to make, this is very important. At the same time, it is really Israeli and U.S. black ops doing those bombings and making it look like Hamas is the guilty party. That's exactly the same thing that happened every other time, too. Yeah. Hamas... The King of Swords made it very clear. Hamas is not a terrorist organization. No. And what's the other one up there in Lebanon? Hezbollah. Hezbollah is not a terrorist organization at all. Either. So I just want to make those things clear. Meanwhile, the starships are coming in in droves. And this is happening not just in Palestine, rather all over Mother Earth. Rosa at this point said, Lord Rama, even though this looks... Like Mordor, we are being lifted higher than we have ever been lifted before. That's a song. Yeah, joke <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> Love it. Um, the sun is sending out solar flares, and they are headed toward Gaia. This is only increasing the frequencies. Stay in our high hearts. Remain calm. The particles coming in from the sun are only bringing more love. We have one, Satnam, Namaste, and blaze that violet fire. 
There was another report, and we heard it yesterday and today, that there's over 20 million Afghanis that are on the verge of starvation right now. And uh, you had a sort of a brief talk with Bobby Lee about that, right, Rama? Yeah, that there are many contingency forces coming in to help the people of Afghanistan. And the news agencies are not talking about it, of course, on this planet. They won't. Mm -hmm. So, about them being able to help these ones. Yes. A little mana from heaven, maybe. Yes. Yeah. A little galactic medicine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some magic water. Yeah, I mean, yes, Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just agreeing. I've been calling in higher help of all kinds for the past week, more than usual. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yes, and I got to say the same goes for Yemen. Ugh. And um, there is a stone. It's called a Shungite stone. And we were talking to one of our brothers. He, he drives a semi. And his name is Chandra Das. Anyway, he's got, uh, he's sculpted, he's got a, a Shungite medallion. And it protects the body from 5G. I think that's a really good. So look up Shungite medallion. See what you can find on the internet. Um, I'm just saying that's very powerful or keep one in your pockets, you know, when you're meandering down a 5G scene, wherever there might be those things. And um, what else, Rama? Oh, just that um, there's over, you know, so many stories out there how what happened on January 6th is, you know, trying to be downplayed, so to speak, that it wasn't a big deal. And um, it was a huge deal. It was high treason. And I don't know where to go with that statement in terms of capital punishment or executions on this planet because we that's all wrong in the con wrong in the congo too that's correct work. so there is a different solution I still remember martin luther king an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth makes us all blind and toothless and gandhi said that too and oh I good have this eight minute message from his holiness the dalai lama i can play it's yeah. called emptiness and compassion are antidotes to destructive emotions. Like when you're hearing all this stuff going on right now that we're talking about. Uh, Let's and, let the man say it himself. Okay, here, here we, we go, go, everybody. Is this, is this just a few minutes? Michael wanted to give a report as well. Oh, um, Michael, why don't you do that? And then we'll play Dalai Lama after yeah. that. That would be great. Michael, go ahead. Greetings, everyone. 
Um, just had uh, some notes from the Disclosure 2.0 webinar that Dr. Stephen Greer put on a few weeks ago. Finally got the uh, replay. So uh, most people don't know the true history behind the origins of the Disclosure Project. It was the result of a group of about 60 people that came together on a beach in Florida in 1992, perhaps as a result of some higher power bringing them all together at that time. This was organized by Dr. Stephen Greer and was the first organized attempt at a CE5 close encounter of the fifth kind. Dr. Greer was working as a professional medical doctor in his regular life and in his spare time, he was leading an interplanetary peace project to initiate peaceful contact with extraterrestrials. There were colonels and Air Force members at the first CE5 gathering over the weekend. During this time, they had contact with four spacecraft. Photographs were taken and ended up on the front page of the newspaper. And within 30 days, Dr. Greer received some phone calls from the intelligence community. The general in charge of the Air Force Intelligence, General Albert, asked Dr. Greer to allegedly meet for a conference, which was actually a dog and pony show from intelligence people. He sat at the head table with top CIA and military intelligence officials who basically, in a nutshell, told him, who the heck do you think you are and what the heck do you think you're doing? making contact with these extraterrestrial civilizations without our permission. Dr. Greer then informed them, proceeded to inform them, that I don't need your permission. I'm a free denizen of the Earth and the cosmos, and I've had contact with these extraterrestrial civilizations. I know who they are and what they are, and you can't deceive me. Moreover, I'm not wealthy, but I'm a, as a medical doctor, I don't need your damn money. Furthermore, when I was 17, I died and came back to life. Therefore, I'm not afraid of death, so you have no traction with me. Of course, the general was not happy with this response. He, ne he said that we know exactly who this guy is, to which Dr. Greer responded, yeah, so what are we going to do about it? This was Dr. Greer's introduction as a private citizen conducting research and work for universal peace, getting dragged into the mess that we call the national security state. About a month later, he was offered $2 billion to drop everything he was doing and jump over to be a member of the board of the national security state. This was a serious offer. <clears throat> Dr. Greer said he could not be bought. Then he was approached by some people within the Clinton administration to which they informed him that the president and various agencies within the intelligence community were interested in these projects but had been denied access. Eventually, he was asked to brief the director of the CIA, James Wolseley. Wolseley said there is an active attempt to sabotage Project Starlight, which was the code name for the Disclosure Project back at that time. Operation Starlight will become a serious threat to the status quo, and these powers will oppose your plans if they are aware of them. Remember, the most powerful people in the world will have a deep and sincere interest in what you're doing and will do everything at their disposal to oppose you moving forward. 
From that point forward, Dr. Greer started putting together a group of whistleblowers with every effort to keep it secret. In 1997, Dr. Greer put together a panel of top-level military advisors and international constitutional lawyer Daniel Sheehan and produced an unless otherwise directed letter. This is a military strategy where you can write to your commander or to the head of an agency and say, this is my assessment of the situation. This is what we're going to do about it unless otherwise directed. UNOD. So they went to the heads of the FBI, NSA, CIA, the alphabet soup, everyone. <clears throat> they said, you have until the end of January 1998 to inform us that we are not correct. And unless you do, we are going to proceed as follows. The projects that are dealing with this issue are unacknowledged special access projects being run illegally and unconstitutionally. Therefore, we are going to authorize and enlist the help of people who have top-level clearance to release the documents, information, schematics, and testimony, what have you, and they cannot be prosecuted under the National Security Act because that would require that the project be within the bounds of the law, and we can prove that they are not. We can prove in a court of law that key people in the United States government that should know and have a need to know have been denied access. And no one, as of April 25th, 2021, no one has contacted Dr. Greer or anyone within the 980-some people within the Disclosure Project have been contacted and told to be quiet. And if they were to do so, Daniel Sheehan, Dr. Greer, and a few other constitutional attorneys would go after them seriously in a major federal lawsuit to protect whistleblowers, which is what they are. These whistleblowers are exposing, unlike what Edward Snowden exposed, which were projects overseen by the president, they are exposing projects that were lied to about to the president unacknowledged special access projects, off-the-books black projects. So this led to the disclosure press conference in 2001 and the beginning of the movement, and two of the biggest lies within every story perpetrated by the mainstream media in regards to disclosure is that, one, these objects are a threat to national security, which they are not, and two, we do not know how they operate. We have no idea how they can travel faster than the speed of light and not make a sonic boom, etc. Dr. Greer has met with many aerospace engineers and top-level intelligence agents that have personally worked on these craft since the 50s. So the time is approaching where the public needs to be made aware of the cover-up, and the tapestry of illusion woven so thick over their eyes for almost eight decades now. And um, that's about it. But uh, the cosmic hoax is coming. That's what they've been working on. Uh, it's supposed to be, they're hoping to release it by June sometime, if everything goes according to plan. And it's really going to be a, a really shake the world movie that's going to really open things up, I believe. And uh, thank you very much. I had passed the talking stick. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much. That is very fascinating. We'll have to keep an eye on that, Micah, and please do report on that again. Um, just so much happening and so much moving forward. Um, so thank you again. So Ramantara, um, have you, you've got something short you wanted to play? Is it just a few minutes long? Yeah, this is only eight minutes. It's uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama talking about emptiness and compassion as antidotes to destructive emotions, which is something right. we all need right now. Absolutely. Go ahead, if you would play that, and then we'll close out after that, okay? Okay, here we go. All right. In daily my practice, uh, as soon as I wake up, uh, now, uh, so when I wake up in the morning, every morning, uh, uh, the first thing that I do is to really uh, reaffirm my uh, generation of bodhicitta, awakening mind. And there is a passage that says that for the sake of fulfilling my own self-interest and the interest of others, I shall generate the awakening, my altruistic awakening mind. And, and this important phrase of fulfilling the interest of self and others is a crucial one. The great Kadamba masters of the past would say that as a practitioner, our focus and effort should be really single-pointed towards cultivating bodhicitta, the awakening mind. Once we have cultivated our awakening mind, you know, the, uh, the purification of negative karma, it will take care of itself accumulation of good karma, it will take care of itself. Our, our task is to simply focus on strengthening and cultivating bodhicitta. And this is really true because once you are able to cultivate your mind, expand your you know, uh, aspiration and include the interest of others within that aspiration, then it really opens up and reduces that you know, grasping onto oneself, the ego-centeredness. Ego Similarly, the other important practice that I bring is reflection on the truth of emptiness. And here the key texts that I use are four stanzas from the sixth chapter of Chantakriti's Entry in the Middle Way. There's an important section where Chantakriti really takes to task uh, dismantling the construct that we generally tend to impose on our perception of the world, where we impose upon reality some kind of objective intrinsic existence. And, and there are four stanzas that Chantrakriti brings, which really demonstrates uh, powerfully that how that kind of assumption is unfounded. And, and, and the point of this particular contemplation is to really reduce the grasping uh, onto something that is objectively real. Many of the destructive emotions tend to be rooted on an assumption of something objectively really out there. And then the stronger our grasp into such projection, the stronger our negative reactions would be. So therefore, really uh, bringing this awareness of emptiness 
has the ability to free up that perspective so that we do not engage with the world with such an assumption of objective, intrinsic and independent existing out there. And in these ways, it really helps, you know, my own mind. The so in the same text, Chandrakirti's text, he talks about how once you deepen your awareness and understanding of emptiness, it really opens up a new perspective on the way in which you will experience and engage with the world. And here he talks about how our perspective and the understanding of the conventional reality will be combined with our awareness and understanding of the ultimate empty nature of everything. And in this way, the conventional truth and ultimate truth will be like two wings. The wisdom of the two truths will be two, two wings, which will then propel you to traverse the space to reach to the Buddhahood. And, and this is really beautiful. And his audience was saying that, you know, I'm someone who's at least making an attempt and saying that that's the, that's the journey I would like to make. So the, we spoke about how to confront our tendency to grasp and project objective reality to things which then give rise to our emotional reaction to the world. Um, there's another prong to this approach which is to now target our self-tendency for self-centeredness. And, and this is a different, different approach, but they are complementary and they need to be combined. One is a wisdom approach, the other one is a compassion-based approach. So the compassion-based approach really requires opening up our assumptions about self and others' boundary. We tend to assume that I as an individual self is so different and distinct and separate from others. And a lot of our assumptions and our relationship with others is really based upon this idea of me who's there at the, at the core of I, I, or core of me. And for the sake of protecting this, we tend to do a lot of stuff. And so this, this construct of self really has to be opened up through the practice of compassion. And here, the text that is most powerful is Shantideva's teaching where he talks about, you know, questions our normal attitude towards suffering. He says that, you know, why is it that? Since when it comes to the fact that one wishes to be happy, do not suffering, self and others are exactly the same. And why is it that we bother about taking care of our suffering and not of others? And then he goes, then goes further to say that, in fact, he says that if you examine carefully, many of the problems that we face ourselves are rooted in excessive self-centeredness. And many of the good things that we see in our life really are rooted in a perspective that includes others, it's other-centeredness. So he says that therefore, if you are not able to make that kind of switch, you know, exchanging of self and others is the technical term that he uses. He said, let alone attainment of Buddhahood, even in this life in samsara, there will be no joy. There's, there will be no place for real joy. So, and that he, I truly believe is the case because if you look at the world, many of the problems in the world is often rooted in excessive self-centeredness, ours, mine, and, and so on and so forth. And therefore, what is required is really opening up that kind of excessive 
tight gripping on one's own sense of self and mine and ours and opening up and connecting with others and seeing more of yourself in others so that there is a true understanding of the shared nature of self and others. And when this is one of the reasons why I often, you know, uh, uh, advocate, you know, not just from a religious Buddhist point of view, but in fact, from a more uh, humanistic point of view, the sense of oneness of 7 billion human beings. Because when it comes to the fundamental disposition and fact of who we are as human beings, wishing to be happy, wanting to overcome suffering, there's no difference at all. And, and in fact, the more we are able to think about others, the more actually we lay the foundation for our own personal happiness. So I think this, this it's a two-pronged approach. So when you use these two-pronged approach, it truly has an impact. And, and that's why these two practices of compassion and you know, emptiness is really an important part of my daily practice. That's talking to Dick. Right. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Roman, for sharing that. And we um, absolutely beautiful ideas there, beautiful concepts we can take to the heart. And I want to thank all of our wonderful listeners, our guest, John Fife, and I'll, of course, my wonderful co hosts, Rama and Tara and Vinayak and uh, Randy and Micah, who gave that terrific update about Dr. Greer's work. So we look forward to hearing more about that in time. So many blessings to everyone. Just stay in the moment. Stay in your breath. New and beautiful things are coming forward. You and I are going to have to hold on to that right now, even if the rest of the world calls us nuts. <laughs> so already, um, music, please, maestro. Whenever you're ready with the music, Dawn, that will be wonderful. And um, this uh, Cosmic Hoax, that's quite a name for a film that, that sounds amazing. So thank you so much, everyone. <laughs>